Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This weekend, we are offering four conversations from episode 57, our introduction to the Liver Forum with Executive Director Veronica Miller and our longtime friend, Manal Abdul-Malik, plus Marvold, a conversation from season two, episode 50. The webpage from season two that was viewed most often in the last three months by our listeners and downloaders. This conversation features Veronica Miller, Executive Director of the Liver Forum, discussing her career and background and later on the history of the Liver Forum. Veronica describes her career, which started in primary research in immunology, shifted over time through HIV drug research to executive directorship of the Forum for Collaborative HIV Research. This was her first role requiring her to bring disparate groups together, including HIV patient activists who, she notes, were extremely knowledgeable and sometimes challenging, but lent patient voice to the process for the first time. Patient voice now becoming a common part of pretty much every major effort in the industry. One guiding element of her work became to identify gaps in existing research and determine ways to fill them. Over time, researchers in KOLs and other diseases saw value to this approach, first in hepatitis C, where she worked through the issue of creating a clinical trial without standard controls, and eventually into fatty liver disease, which came about after she attended a meeting at FDA about clinical trial endpoints. This conversation ends with Veronica noting a major difference between NAVLD and the other diseases, namely, fatty liver does not have a pathogen to target. It was fantastic to allow some of you who sit on the outside to learn a little bit about the liver form. Certainly fantastic for me. As I note to Veronica Miller at the end of the episode, I'd love to repeat this process every three or four months. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the conversation on our LinkedIn discussion group. Veronica Miller. I did my university studies in Manitoba, Canada, of all places. And I was in Winnipeg doing my undergraduate and my PhD in immunology. So, Manal, I, I totally hear where you're, you know, what you're going through because we had it worse, if you can imagine that. But what really fascinated me so much about my PhD program, which, which was in immunology, was just this amazing, amazing system within human bodies and, of course, mammals and other uh, animals and organisms on the evolutionary chain that is really there to detect, to discriminate between self and non-self. And I thought that was just such a brilliant, brilliant evolutionary strategy. In fact, I used to say the human body evolved to house an ever more complex immune system. So that's really the whole point of the evolution was the, the, to the perfection of the immune system, which, of course, can lead to a lot of trouble as well, because it often, the fine-tunedness of it often gets derailed. And I think that is part of what attracted me to looking at inflammatory diseases and, you know, what can happen as a result of too much inflammation, too much immune response. And I'll come back to that later when we talk about the liver form. So I, I did my PhD in immunology. And of course, it also deals a lot with infectious diseases. This was at a time when HIV was just uh, beginning to really take the world stage when it comes to infectious diseases, pandemics, epidemics, fear, excitement about new scientific findings, etc. So after my PhD, I did a postdoc at UCLA where I actually worked on HIV. And those were the days when we used P24 culture assays to diagnose somebody. And we did PCRs by moving samples from one heat block to another to amplify the genetic material. So this interesting 
intersection basically between HIV and the immune system really fit well into my whole career path after that. So I did a lot of laboratory research in HIV, but decided at some point I really wanted to go beyond that and had this interesting offer from Frankfurt, Germany to come and join the team there. It was one of the larger clinics that did HIV clinical trials, and I was invited to come in. I'm not a physician, but be really as a scientist to help figure out the scientific direction of the center. And what we did was we established an in-house database of all patient data, and it really became, I think it was sort of like the first electronic health record in a way, because every patient's whole history was available at the push of a button. And we're talking about the early 90s here. And we tested every single drug that was being developed for HIV. And being involved in that whole process and looking at how Europe and the U.S. regulate drug development and which drugs get approved, how you innovate, the whole role of our load as a surrogate marker, we participated in some of the analysis that contributed to that. And also drug resistance and how that impacts treatment outcomes is really where, where my career then took off from changing from laboratory research to, I guess you could call it data science kind of research, looking at our databases and other collaborative cohorts across Europe and across the world. But what really, I think, stayed with me was the importance of both kinds of data. So what we now call real-world data, we used to call observational studies, observational cohorts, etc. Now we call it real-world data. But the interplay between that real-world data as a hypothesis raising tool and then the randomized clinical trials to test those hypotheses. That led me to the forum. I moved to the U.S. in 2001 and took over the role of director of the, at that time was the Forum for Collaborative HIV Research and have been here ever since. And we now work in many disease areas, including fatty liver disease and other liver diseases like primary sclerosis and cholangitis and pediatric cholestasis, et cetera. But the NASH part of the liver forum is really our biggest project. And you will see that I'm bringing parts of my past definitely into this conversation. I came to Washington to take over the leadership of the HIV Forum, which had been set up with a specific goal to bring together all the parties. And in HIV, for those that remember, there was a lot of patient activism and very active, quote-unquote, active activism in terms of demands, expectations, as well as education of the patients involved in these activities. They often knew more about antivirals and HIV disease than some of the people presenting at the major conferences. But it really started this whole new concept of the patient voice and including the patient voice in drug development, which now seems sort of a standard. But in those days, it was quite revolutionary. And I have to say, knowing many of the people originally involved and looking at them, what what they're doing now, I have to really congratulate them on the success of their activities. It wasn't always pleasant and sometimes maybe a little bit too in your face, but they got their point across. People like Tony Fauci, for example, understood and said, you know, I'm not going to fight them. I'm going to invite them in and talk with them. And so that's really how this whole idea of the patients themselves having a voice and a say and how drugs get developed, especially for the affected community. So I've been invited to the forum because I was an expert in HIV drug resistance. So I've been invited as an academic member, expert, just like Yaron and Manal are academic experts in our liver forum and knew about the forum. And when they were looking for a new director, the forum at that time was George Washington University. They recruited me and I thought it was a good time to make 
make that move back to the U.S. in slow motion on a slow boat, as we said. I came back to Washington and to the U.S. my first time living in Washington to take over the HIV forum. And there were obviously, this was 2001, by the way, I officially moved here a week before September 11th in 2001. So that was definitely a very memorable time for me. The idea of the HIV forum really was to bring all the parties together, the drug developers, the patients, the regulators, other governmental agencies and researchers, and basically anyone who had a say in what should happen with HIV research. And through this venue of a safe space, respect for each other's perspective, independence from any one of the parties, but really sort of a very unique safe space where all the parties can come together at one table is what the forum was all about. So for me, it was quite a switch from getting my own data and presenting my own data and findings around the world to masterminding and leading this approach to how we deal with research gaps. It quickly became apparent after a couple of years that other disease areas could also really benefit from this. And so one of the first areas we expanded to after HIV was hepatitis C. And it really happened by word of mouth because virologists at companies that had worked with us on HIV said, you know, we're basically, they called me up and said, we're working on direct acting antivirals for hepatitis C. Is that something the forum could help us with? We don't want to make some of the same mistakes in terms of, for example, sequences and drug resistance and subtypes and all of these different factors that go into characterizing the pathogen that you want to treat and developing the drugs for that. So that's how we started the Hepatitis C Forum. That was quite a ride, actually, because it was through the forum at one of our forum meetings that this insight came about that we didn't have to randomize against the old standard of care control. We were trying to figure out how on earth we could have a trial with a standard of care of pegylated interferon ribavirin compared to 48 weeks of treatment compared to 8 or 10 or 12 weeks of treatment for a direct acting antiviral. And once we kind of broke that bubble, it became so clear because it wouldn't even make scientific sense to do that. But the idea was that we could use our historic knowledge of the response to cure rates and that old standard of care and then compare the direct acting antivirals if there was a big enough difference. If the old standard of care for a specific kind of patient and genotype was, let's say, 60%, but the direct acting antivirals always gave you 95%, obviously, that was a big enough difference that we said it wouldn't be scientifically sound nor ethical to compare them directly in a study, but use that historic knowledge. So it wasn't really a historic external control. It was really our knowledge of the efficacy of these standards of care. And the randomization really was between different legs of treatment, different doses, etc. So that really, I think everyone agrees, really revolutionized the field and allowed for this very quick development of additional direct acting antivirals and combination treatment. So that's how we got into something related to the liver. We'd gone from HIV and we're now looking at a pathogen in the liver. And I remember once I was visiting a BMS up in New Jersey and we're talking about what could the forum do in the area of inflammation. And somebody said, well, you know, there's a meeting happening right now at the, with the FDA and ASLD on liver and includes liver fibrosis and inflammation. And that was that famous ASLD FDA meeting uh, to talk about endpoints for NASH clinical trials. And they said, that's really something the forum should look at. So that was one sort of a sign of interest. And then after this meeting, and Arun Sanyal was, was one of the leads together with Scott Friedman of the 
this meeting, I talked with Arun and Scott and others, and we decided, well, let's try a liver form in NASH. So this was the first time we were working without a pathogen. This was liver and fatty liver disease and fibrosis and inflammation and the NASH, the, the fat part of that as well. And so we decided to, well, let's give it a try. And that's how the liver form started. So it's always by word of mouth in some form or another, somebody that's worked with us and says, you should really be looking at this. So we started the forum in 2014 and have been going strong ever since. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We'll be back next week, possibly with a preview episode for Nashtag, possibly with something else. We'll announce that later in the week. Until then, stay safe, surf on, and we'll see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye.